Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Daily Zen Podcast. This is episode three. My name is Charlie Ambler, uh, the creator of Daily Zen. Interacted with me on Twitter at some point if you are listening to this. But if you discovered it via iTunes, I welcome you and I implore you to ask questions and contribute something to the discussion if you feel so inclined at twitter.com slash dailyzen. I'm going to answer some older questions this week that I had set aside because I didn't get to them last time. I try to limit each of these to about a half an hour because otherwise I just feel like I start to circle back on myself or repeat topics or get too wordy. So uh, the first question is someone asking about how to approach non-duality in everyday life. And I had started recording an answer to this and then the my phone freaked out and it didn't save so now I have some time I had some time to mull it through and I can think it over again Um, I think for those of you who do practice meditation when you sit and you turn your attention inwards you start to recognize the fragility of concepts Um, and with this recognition of the fragility of concepts comes this understanding that things in the world are not as we perceive them to be, but that what we perceive, we believe to be the world. So, you know, when when you sort your emotions into simple dichotomies like happiness and sadness, um, or you sort people into good and evil, or you choose sides all the time, um, or you view yourself either as a success or a failure, or you judge other people on these same grounds, this is a projection, an artificial projection uh, that's a sort of simplification of the world that enables us to feel more comfortable with the world, um, precisely to the extent that these ideas aren't reality. In reality, you know, there's no good and evil, there's no happiness and sadness, you know, a tree does not experience these emotions, Uh, a, a tiger who's ripping a zebra apart doesn't isn't a bad guy to any other tiger. He's just doing his job because he has to eat. Um, We like to project these moral judgments onto the world because we're self-conscious creatures. And our self-consciousness makes us suffer more than um, other creatures for whatever reason. It makes us need to do more than any other creature does. um, And it makes us more needy in, in a lot of ways. And so... The way I like to see this indulgence in duality and attachment to concepts is a sort of neediness. We want to feel like we belong in the world. We want to feel like there's a meaning to life. Uh, And we want to feel like our feelings and thoughts and emotions are representative of some sort of deeper truth. Uh, And they are representative of a deeper truth, but they're not representative of a simplification of the deeper truth. When we examine the self start to understand that um, what is a happy state to you could be a miserable state to someone else. Um, You know, that when you're feeling, you know, positive or you're feeling A instead of B, uh, that's predicated on B. And the only way to experience this whole, these dichotomies fully is to go beyond them. Uh, I wasn't much of a philosophy student, but I liked the brief readings I did of Hegel uh, and how he discussed the synthesis and antithesis and the synthesis or uh, 
thesis and antithesis and then a synthesis, uh, you know, whereby you have concept A and then you have its contradiction, concept B. And then in order to reach some sort of new place in a dialectic between two people or two opposing concepts, you have to synthesize the two. Uh, in my experience of Zen, what we do is go beyond even that um, and sort of zoom out and exist above all of these dueling concepts and their syntheses and say, okay, you know, we can, we can, per we can live in our heads perceiving the world conceptually like this and we can gain a somewhat better understanding of the surface of the world this way, but we can't really fundamentally get a better understanding ourselves until we recognize just how subjective all of these concepts are. Um, and I think that's the, the crucial impact that regular meditation practice has on daily life, is this realization that things aren't what they seem to your ego, which is the thing that wants to label and sort everything into a and B, positive and negative, etc. Um, people on Twitter, you know, sometimes will respond to things I say and say, "Well, this is so, this is so negative, or this is so nihilistic." Um, I, is, I thought Zen was supposed to be positive, and I think it's maybe this misconception about um, what Eastern philosophy is because of the hippie movement and the way it was introduced to the Americas and to Europe. Um, but it's in both Hinduism and most types of Buddhism, um, there's a deep understanding that uh, the polarities of life rely on one another, and the only way to live spiritually is to accept them and rise above them. Um, and so when we're happy, we realize that this is predicated on our sadness, and we can be grateful for both states because we understand that they are reliant upon one another. Um, the same way you can love your enemy when you realize that he's not evil, he is only evil in your mind. Uh, and no matter how strongly you may disagree with this person's actions or beliefs, you recognize that he's, or he or she, or whatever, is a, is a projection of your own mind, um, trying to moralize and sort the world into things that make sense. Um, and this is why people get very attached to these concepts and they sort their entire lives around these abstractions of good and evil and happiness and sadness and success and failure. Uh, the irony being that, that trying to focus this totality of life onto one side of life um, is like trying to ride a seesaw by yourself, you know? Um, you can't really do it. Um, a lot of times it's like trying to ride a seesaw with a, a 3,000 pound steel weight on the other side and you're trying to move it and you just can't because you're so attached to all of these concepts um, and then you're just stuck. And people experience this in a million different ways, you know, when people are super religious and uh, terrible things happen to them, they can't admit that events are random uh, and aren't, aren't predicated on how good or virtuous they are. Uh, it happens when people experience immense success uh, and believe themselves to be blessed with some sort of, you know, superhuman strength or believe themselves to be better with people, better than other people. It happens when people... Um, fall short and feel like total failures and only because of their own reaction to their own failures are they unable to see other opportunities in their life to be grateful and to rise above themselves uh, and so they remain bogged down. There's a million examples of this but the crucial thing I think is to sort of you know this will happen naturally when you meditate but to sort of step back and recognize when you yourself are indulging in this over dualistic thinking 
and to just try to to try to step outside of yourself and you know zoom out and see it from a different point of view um recognize that it's not right to treat another person poorly just because they disagree with you or because they insult you or offend you that your response is what makes that person evil insulting offensive whatever it is it's you that's doing that not them uh because to someone else they they're perfectly there's no problem um and this comes from subjectivity, it comes from individuality, and it comes from the ego. We live in a society that's very individualized, and a lot of people see this as a liberation of sorts, but in reality it's often manifests without, when people don't have spiritual practice, this modern mentality of individuality manifests in a very, very intense narcissism and egoism, um, which doesn't hurt anyone but ourselves. I mean, only... Um, opinions and experiences to be, you know, the sole harbinger of truth. Different. And exploring, you know, the vast forest that is the world, I think is a good metaphor for it. Especially nowadays when everyone is so clued into to conceptual life, and to images, and to cultural concepts, and to these ideas of good and evil, and all of these attempts to moralize. You know, the more attempts there are to do that, the more egotistical people become, and the more unable they become to see their own faults. Uh, or I see people on the right who think that every quote I, I write is something negative about liberals. And it's like, you know, come on. <laughs> this is a the way a child thinks. Um, and there's being a child is a lot of fun, but I think spiritually growing up uh, requires us to recognize the limitations of our own perspectives and to accept other people for having those limitations too so that we can work together to rise above them um, without any sort of conceptual clinging or... Um, purview. Let's see what the next question is. Okay. Um, being peaceful in the chaos. I like that one. Uh, another abstract one. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, you know, tying this back into what modern life is, is it's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of uh, uh, artificial human inventions of chaotic operations on top of this fundamentally absolute and peaceful force, which is nature, which I believe is this eternal, almost divine power and presence in our lives. Um, and I think meditation is one of the best ways to get in touch with that. But, you know, even... Um, a, a good conversation with someone or uh, a loving experience with an animal um, where you're, you know, like when I sit and I pet my cat for a half an hour um, or I hang out and, and say hello to dogs in the park uh, or, you know, going for a long hike in the woods. These are all experiences that remind us of this massive 
incredible strength that is nature. Um, and that is the highest, that's the highest truth because it's not a human truth. It's just this, it's just what is, you know? Um, and so parlaying that back to your question, the modern world is a lot of artificiality. It's a lot of cities. It's a lot of human beings interacting with each other using all of these concepts and projections, personalities, abstractions, you know, a lot of which are just completely invented by us. Um, including these ideas of good and evil and what's right in the world and what progress means and what goodness means and all these things are just people people making these things up oftentimes against nature to please themselves and to please one another because we're humans and we you know want the world to be formed in our image uh, but it's not we are we come out of it not into it as Alan Watts said uh, like a leaf emerges from a tree we emerge from the world and remembering that is crucial to dealing with what we perceive to be chaos in daily life. The chaos oftentimes comes from ourselves and comes from this belief that we have to do this. We have to find a, you know, you have to find your soulmate. You have to make a gazillion dollars. You have to become not notorious and known. And you have to be cool and you have to be sexy. You have to be you have to live a long time, you have to be really healthy, you have to be vibrant, you have to be happy. There's all these ridiculous conditions that modern people have placed on life. Uh, you know, and you look back to other eras of life and people were just trying to survive. Like they didn't have time for all this bullshit, uh, all these conditions for what they would do after their survival was taken care of. Um, it's a type of, it's a greediness and an arrogance, I think, that pervades the modern world where everyone thinks that they're owed something besides mere existence, uh, or that life is about anything other than simply existing, and it's not. It's um, The process of living a full, fulfilling, happy life is making peace with simply being and not having to do anything else. And I know a lot of people who do nothing who are, who are way, way happier and more content than people who are constantly distracting themselves with various pursuits and activities precisely because peace comes when we are peaceful. Um, when we are chaotic, we experience the world as endless, depthless chaos. But when we develop an inner peace, the external world comes to reflect that peace because we only see the external world as we are, not as it is. Because um, we can't really know what it is because of our subjective limitations. So that's I find that's the best way to, when I'm experiencing the world um, at times and feeling that it's chaotic or that it's crazy or that nothing makes sense, instead of internalizing that external interpretation of something that's uninterpretable, instead of, interpre in, instead of internalizing that, I just say, okay, like this is what is, this is what's happening. And there's no reason for me to, to mold myself negatively in the image of a world as I'm projecting onto it, because that's just, it's incorrect and it's wrong. Um, and that's a type of delusion. Whether you're empathizing with people who are, who are um, suffering, or you're indulging in watching some sort of disaster on TV, or over-involving yourselves in the affairs of others socially, whatever it is, that's you projecting your chaos onto the world, not the world projecting its chaos onto you. And that's always a choice that we have.
And uh, meditation helps us helps us fine-tune the muscle that makes that choice. Uh, and it lets us accept ourselves and accept others despite our various influences on what on this chaos that we invent in our heads. Because the, the fundamental underlying essence of everything is um, a sort of peace. And sometimes this includes a lot of you know, on top of this, there's a lot of chaos and violence and suffering and everything, but it's all part of this grand, you know, this totality. Uh, and we can't really change it. I mean, we can influence it and we can impact it in a way that we feel is important, but humans can't really change that. Um, the universe is a lot bigger than us and <laughs> lasts a lot longer than us. And, uh, you know, eventually we'll all be, I find this liberating event that eventually we'll all just kind of be floating in the stars as particles or whatever the hell happens. Um, I find that fascinating and comforting because it puts all of these seemingly apocalyptic events that we seem to indulge in thinking about every day uh, in perspective. And they're not, it's, you know, it's all, basically everything is all in our heads. And I know people will disagree with me for saying that, but... Hopefully that contributes to this uh, this unfolding discussion with this new podcast. That's my goal. So I'm not provoking you in some way. I'm not doing my job uh, or my hobby, I guess. Let's see what else we have. Here's another topic relating to that. Struggle providing an opportunity for growth. Uh, I, since becoming a quote-unquote adult, uh, have had to confront this because I never wanted to do things other people's way. I wanted to figure out my own way to do things. And I have figured out a way to do things. I haven't ever had to have a boss, and I haven't had to... Um, I've been very blessed with not having to make some of the sacrifices and concessions that other people make. Uh, but that's come as a result of, I think... Wanting to and figuring out how to deal with a great deal of suffering, insecurity, uncertainty, and risk. Um, I'm not saying this as any sort of like humble brag or anything. It's mostly because I want to, if I can help someone by sharing a message that says that your suffering is good for you and that you know, the whole thing that Nietzsche said where that doesn't, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger is incredibly true. And the more you can persevere through insecurity, through self-doubt, through fear, um, through mistakes, you might make some terrible mistakes, you know, trying to, trying to live life, um, in accordance with your own essence and what you believe to be true and what you believe to be real, you're going to come against a lot of obstacles and a lot of boundaries and you're never going to finish you're never going to get to the end of the journey because that's not what it's about but if I think the people that I know in my life the difference between people who um, who live fully and those who don't are the people who live fully figure out ways to suffer with grace because they know that the suffering is the seed from which everything that they value grows. Um, 
and it's inevitable. You can't escape suffering at all. And the, you know, the faster you run away from it, the faster it chases you back down. And it's not healthy to always be running away from suffering or to be trying to narcotize yourself against it or distract yourself against this fundamental fear and insecurity. Uh, the more you avoid it, the worse it gets. Uh, Carl Jung said that what you resist persists. And so, you know, the strongest people in this world are those who have suffered deeply and haven't shied away from it and have let themselves suffer deeply precisely so they can learn what it means to feel those deep feelings and to, um, and to persevere through great difficulty. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, special thing. I mean, suffering is not a, <laughs> it's not a, something to be avoided or to be overcome. The only way to, um, to truly, I think, understand what this life is about is to understand what it means to suffer and what it means to grow from it. And this is just, everyone knows this deep down because, you know, when you're a kid, you make mistakes all the time. You're always getting scolded. You know, you might touch a hot stove by accident. You learn, oh, I shouldn't do that. You know, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> and the rest of life is basically that on various other interpersonal or nuance, more nuanced scales where you're just sort of screwing up and being punished either by nature or by someone else as a result of your screwing up. And then you're going, oh. Well, now I now I can do something differently, you know. Um, because that's that's just also a natural inclination to want to 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 take what happens to you and to use it constructively instead of letting it get you down, you know. How stupid to suffer. You suffer twice when you experience pain and you don't learn from it. I mean, how stupid is that? You know, just because of fear or because of weakness, we don't want to overcome our own shortcomings and try to rise above them and become something stronger. I don't think that's a, that's not a way to live. And that's a choice again. And, you know, if you are the type of person who's interested in examining your own mind and trying to, trying to reach that essence, um, that's a powerful thing. And maybe that's what drew you here either by accident or on purpose. And that's what drew you to the spiritual life to begin with. Um, but I fundamentally believe that spirituality is is the missing link between, you know, man and nature. Uh, and as the missing link between <laughs> modern life and fulfillment, because um, a lot of what we experience is, is unnatural. A lot of the suffering we experience is forced or invented in our own heads, like I said earlier. And um, the the contemplative spiritual element of things, uh, whatever, whatever practices you do to, that, um, whatever seeds you can plant that reap the fruits of gratitude, awareness, mindfulness, love, compassion, honesty, um, and peace. I think all of those, anything that leads you towards those, um, understandings is valuable and suffering is, one of the top things on the list that leads us towards those experiences. So don't, don't get too worried if you're having a hard time, you know, it'll pass just like when you're having a great time that passes too. Okay. Uh, I think that's good for now. I am comfortable with, uh, with that. That was a, those were good questions. I really hope that you guys can, 
continue to ask provocative questions that I can discuss. I don't really think I have, like I say, I don't really have answers, but I like this to be a sort of conversation. And I hope once I have a, a sturdier recording setup, um, I can start to interview folks, you know, whether just ordinary, regular folks who are, who are trying to figure this stuff out or, um, you know, people who are quote-unquote notable, whatever that means. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and I will see you later this week or next week. We'll see. All right, don't forget, twitter.com slash dailyzen. Okay, bye.